And we're back. Welcome to Golfside Chats. I'm Beth Green. And I'm Jared Matzenbecker. And we're excited to have you here. As part of Women's History Month, we celebrated International Women's Day and made women the primary focus of our March blog. Hopefully you all saw it. Before all the men disengaged and get grouchy, understand that we're talking about what we're talking about today is applicable to all. Jared traditionally writes the blog, which he does an amazing job, um, but I took over the task um, of trying to follow in his shoes, which is rather daunting. I do think that this month's blog and topic for our podcast certainly gives you something to think about. So let's dive in and I'll quit chatting. So Jared, being a man and a father of a teenage daughter, what was your initial reaction to the statistics we shared um, related to the in equities between men and women, and specifically those regarding income, financial status, perception, et cetera. Well, there were a lot of things that stood out to me, but first off, Beth, you did a fantastic job with the blog. You knocked it out of the park, so congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) you taking the reins last month. Um, A few of the things that really stuck out to me, though, first is a statistic we're all familiar with. It's the fact that it's 2023 and women still earn 80 cents on the dollar for equivalent career choices or positions as men do. Uh, That's something I just I fail to understand. Secondly, is that two thirds of all outstanding college loan debt is carried by women. And that is a burden. You know, when you think about a, a trillion dollars in outstanding student loan debt in the United States, the fact that. 700 and plus thousand of that is carried by women is just an amazing, unbelievable number. Um, thirdly, and something that near and dear to my heart, ha- having been raised by a single mother, uh, women in the United States represent two thirds of all caregivers, regardless of family age, uh, excuse me, age of the family member, right? Both children and adults. So when you factor in women living men outliving men by six to eight years on average, the fact that they earn 20% less than men carry two thirds of student loan debt, which is long-term debt, even if it's at a low interest rate. And the fact that they spend a significant portion of their life caring for another family member, child or a parent, it kind of seems to me like women start off behind the eight ball. I was going to say, I'm throwing in the towel right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, No, those are startling and ones we talked about in the blog, and they're obviously near and dear to my heart being a single parent. Um, And, you know, challenging in a lot of respects. I think we would all agree that there's a lot more we can do and continue to do to kind of bridge that gap. Um, Speaking of doing more, that's at the heart of our discussion. Um, You know, too often women and men are doing so much. They're working. You mentioned, you know, single parents, raising children, taking care of the house. I mean, you know, let alone all the ancillary things that come into play that we haven't even spoke about. But that attention to investing and long-term planning is probably one of the things that we hear the most falls by the wayside. So, Jared, what would you say to someone that says, I just don't have the time right now to sit down and do meaningful long-term planning or talk through my investments? Well, Beth, and I say this without a single bit of condescension, is what do you mean you don't have the time? I mean, I understand we're all busy, uh, but finding two or three hours total over a month or two months to sit down with a professional and get your financial house in order, it shouldn't be something people don't have the time for. Uh, 
And I'll, I'll give you a real life example. And unfortunately, this is not a one off. It's a story we've heard a lot of times and experienced in our professional careers many times. Uh, we recently met with a business owner who said, you know, I'm too busy to sit down and talk about a financial plan or even try to talk about a continuity plan for my business. And that was the end of the conversation. And shortly thereafter, uh, that business owner falls ill and in many cases unexpectedly dies at a young age. And there's no buy-sell agreement in the business. There's no plan to continue operations. And even worse, there's no life insurance or investment planning to support the family. And if you set aside the emotional toll on the family having lost you know, a father or a mother, it doesn't matter who the business owner is, there's also a substantial financial burden. Uh, the stress over meeting living expenses, because those don't go away when somebody passes away. In fact, many times they increase because there's additional expense that needs to be covered. Not to mention the future educational costs for kids if they're young, right? Like yours, Reagan's yes. nine, and yeah. right, I've got Zoe and John, eleven and thirteen. Those are, you know, cost of college, which we're going to write about in next month's blog. You're looking at over a hundred thousand dollars to put a kid through a four-year public university in the state of Florida. Yeah, and not to derail you, but I did something you said just struck me. I think too often people forget with one parent gone, the care of the, you know, the children then becomes a burden, right? So you're going to have to get full-time childcare or some sort of nanny or some sort of assistance, whether it's bringing a family member down. I don't think they even really think about that or even consider that kind of, as you mentioned, additional expense. No, you're absolutely right. If that, if the remaining parent, the widow or widow, the widowed parent now has to go back to work, who is going to take care of the kids? That's another piece of the planning process, right? I mean, this is, you hit the nail on the head too. Um, I mean, in our business, we hear about this all the time, right? How many business owners do we continually sit down and say, please have a buy-sell in place, have a continuity plan, have something, do something, um, you know, and, and you hit, you told of one story, but I mean, we could tell of, you know, 10, 12 more. I mean, it, it's just one of those things that breaks your heart when it happens. And I just had a friend recently that it happened to. So, um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things that, like you said, um, they need to make the time to make it happen. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it is the family we're talking about here, but to your point about the buy, sell or continuity plan, what about the employees of that business, right? Because the surviving family members are now, I'll use the word burdened with the choice of, do we just fold up the business, which affects all those employees and their family members, or do we now have to try to take the business to market and sell it, which is as you know, having dealt with yeah. this several times, a process all on its own. And uh, very few yeah. business owners or sellers get the price they're asking for their business. So, you know, all of these headaches and heartaches can be avoided with some very simple planning. And again, it's just two, three, maybe four hours over a three or four week period. It doesn't take that much time, especially if you work with a professional. So it's something that everybody needs to prioritize. Um, I think, you know, we've hammered that home quite a bit, but if we can get through to folks and hopefully we can that are, you know, wrestling through the factor of time and prioritizing, um, what would you recommend that they tackle first? I think we talked through, you know, obviously business owners, the buy sell seems to be the first, but let's say you're not a business owner and you're just a family of four or a family of two, you know, what, what would you recommend? Yeah, well, aside from the simple aspect, which is having your investments and just overall financial situation reviewed by someone you can trust, 
to make sure that everything's arranged appropriately, that your investments are actually doing what you want them to do, especially with everything that's changed in the last year or two, I would say it is incredibly important, and maybe this is even a first step before investments, is to have your estate plan in order. Right? And when I say estate plan, I mean does your will, does your power of attorney, your healthcare surrogate, and if you need one, does your trust document accurately reflect your wishes, right? Life changes. Kids grow up. We adopt. Maybe families divorce. Families become estranged. Things change all the time. And what a lot of people don't realize is not everything is always going to go the way you expected it to 5, 10, 20 years ago. And when life does change, people neglect or forget, I should say, to update those documents to reflect their wishes. And beneficiaries on retirement plans, as we all know, supersede the best written estate plan. And you see money go to ex-spouses or strange family members all the time. Yes. That's a very difficult conversation. You're <laughs> sitting in the meeting and they say, oh, who's the beneficiary in the IRA? Well, that was the ex-wife right. or the ex-spouse. Right. I've never met a new wife that happily and willingly gave <laughs> up inherited assets to the ex-spouse just because a document said so. Yes, yes. Um, that's a difficult and challenging conversation all on its own. Um, talking about, well, that I would say that's a fear factor, right? I think that's another... Uh, item that impedes us from maybe, you know, contemplating or sitting down and discussing. And we talk all the time trying to give you examples that maybe would resonate with you. But we did have a client that came in and one of her conversations with us, she indicated that she just didn't really understand. And she was fearful of the markets because she didn't understand them. And she didn't understand what she was getting into. And she just took the advice of her CPA and you know, kind of put the money in and left it and hasn't looked at it and, you know, doesn't really understand what was going on. And I think that there's a lot of people that fall into that bucket. They don't understand the financial jargon that we use. You know, the article that you sent me just today, I was reading it. And that's one of the things that they, when they talk about, you know, making a connection with people and having a, a, a fluid conversation and really, you know, and it was a, targeted towards women. And one of the things they said is, you know, don't use our financial jargon, you know, put it in layman terms. No one's sitting here, you know, judging you for a class. Did you use alpha, right. beta, you know, right. etc. So, I mean, they don't understand the financial jargon. They don't understand, you know, so our lingo. So, obviously, put it in layman's terms. But um, they also, you know, don't understand the options that are available. They're afraid to ask questions because they certainly don't want to look um, inferior or less than, you know, adequate. Um, you know, so they simply don't ask questions. And then, you know, I, I think that, that that factor then kind of supersedes doing, you know, maybe getting out of their own way and doing the right thing. So kind of lobbing it back to you, what advice or thoughts would you give these people that, you know, the ones sitting on the sideline in fear? And don't get me wrong right now, I can understand why some people might be sitting on the sidelines in fear after the recent bank failures, the continued interest rate hikes, you know, the consumer confidence dipping and also inflation, you know, still staying relatively high. I mean, I certainly can't blame them, but give us some thoughts or ideas around, you know, maybe nudging that fear factor and, you know, how do we then kind of move forward. Sure. Uh, and before I answer that question, I'm going to go back because you just made a couple of really good points that I want to make sure we address. One of them was the kind of set it and forget it where people either they're doing it themselves and they go to a no load investment company, right? Because it's low cost and they just 
maybe buy some index funds and never think about it again. And that can work. But as we have seen over the last, what, 12, 24 months, the way things were the last 10 years is certainly not how they are now. And it's not how they're going to be the next 10 years. And I think people are naive if they think they're going to make money in a down and market or, you know, gosh forbid I use the recession term. I mean, we were privy for the last, what, 10 years? You know, it's almost like fishing in the proverbial barrel, right? Anyone who put money into the market probably made money. Exactly. But that's not going to be the case going forward. Exactly. And that's been the argument for index funds for the better part of 20 years, right? Just put it in, forget it, because stocks always go up and you'll be just fine, right? And hey, if you have the emotional fortitude of a statue, I think you will be just fine. <laughs> Unfortunately, as we see every day in our conversations with people, almost no one is willing to just hold their nose and stick it out, right? Especially now with money markets paying four plus percent and CDs in the fives, everyone wants to go out and go to cash, right? The problem is they're not doing that when the market's at its highs, right? And we were recently looking at a chart that illustrated the growth of investments, and I'll say, you know, stock-based investments over the last hundred years. And these charts are all over the place. You can search me on the internet. You can find them in books and just about anywhere you look. And they're impressive, right? It's a diagonal line, lower left, upper right, where a dollar grows to a million dollars over that time, where ten thousand dollars grows to ten million dollars. Pick your numbers, right? I'm just talking generalities. And they that includes the Great Depression, World War II. 9-11, COVID, right? Big dips, but if you stick it out and you hold on tight, you're going to be just fine. The problem is very few people hold on tight and stick it out, right? Their emotions take over. They sell out again, especially now with interest rates who are there and say, why don't I just sit in cash? I can earn 4%. Well, there's two problems with that because people always sell out when the market's at its low point, right? After it's dropped 20 or 30%, not when it's at its high point. And then they don't get comfortable with reinvesting until the market's fully recovered. It gets back to where it was before. So they missed out on the entire recovery, the chance to rebuild or recover their wealth, and then participate in the bull market that follows. Right? The second part of that is even if you're earning 4% in a money market or 5% in a CD, inflation is still 6 or 7%. So it doesn't feel like it, but you are losing money every year. You're losing purchasing power. I mean, a dozen eggs is like $30 right now. <laughs> Yes, I saw. Like it. Yeah, well, I, and with Easter approaching, you know, I mean, if regardless if you're religious or not, you know about the Easter holiday, and I think people are painting rocks and not eggs this year. Yeah, you can steal them out of your neighbor's yard; they're free. Exactly. Okay, we don't advocate stealing, <laughs> borrowing, <laughs> replace. Yes, yes, put them back. Your neighbors will appreciate the painted rocks. So, my point is that. You shouldn't let your emotions, or specifically fear, but the flip side of that coin is greed, right? You shouldn't let your emotions dictate your investment decisions. And that's the importance of working with a professional. And specifically, if you can find a good one, a certified financial planner professional, because the CFP will help you not only figure out how much volatility or risk that you can handle, but they'll craft a personalized plan and put a strategy in place to help you stick to that plan and work towards the goals that you want to achieve, basically living the life that you've dreamed of. 
Right. And I think that that's, I mean, obviously, both of us are CFPs and feel, you know, we kind of walk the walk, talk the talk. But um, I think it sounds like, you know, obviously, not everyone in the audience is in a position where they can probably meet with us. I mean, even though we do do it via Zoom and the phone and various others. But, you know, if they have somebody they're already working with, and they feel comfortable, and they're a CFP, all for it. Um, But it sounds like, you know, kind of what you're saying, aside from drowning in, work with a professional is basically they're going to help you understand your risk tolerance. They're going to help you build a plan and stick to it, especially in down times and, um, you know, put a process in place that's easily, you know, kind of followed and obtained for your long-term plan. Exactly. And the process is the most important part because the chart we were just talking about that shows the growth of an investment over time, the real value in that comes in someone where you can pick up the phone and say, hey, I saw Silicon Valley Bank failed and First Republic failed. I want to get out of the market. I think it's all going to end, right? And that person says, no, we've got a plan. Your portfolio is built based on your plan and your risk tolerance and your goals. We have to stick to the plan because the difference in sticking to the plan and not can literally be hundreds of thousands of dollars of wealth creation or destruction in depending on your case, right? And that's the importance. It's the difference between living in the penthouse or living in the outhouse in retirement. Well, and I think it's important to note, you know, obviously you mentioned the bank failures and there were some very specific reasons those institutions failed and and not that others don't have exposure to it. But if you're, you know, the financial professional is peeling back the onion and really kind of doing the, you know, compare and contrast. I mean, there were some very fundamental reasons why um, Silicon Valley Bank failed and, you know, First Republic. So, you know, and, and, and while there's been the rhetoric in the mar- in the news regarding others, you know, that are potentially positioned to have similar challenges, not every investment is going to have those same, you know, exposures and not every company has the same, you know, situation. N- not even, let me take a, companies, let me say not every financial institution is in that same. So Absolutely. That those specifically the banks we mentioned are not a microcosm of the larger financial universe. Very, very specific instances which will end up as business school case studies in how not to manage risk and how not to manage banks. Right. right? So it's not going to be systemic. It's an isolated situation, and the economy is doing incredibly well. Um, most importantly. To your point, if they're working with a professional that's doing the homework, peeling back the onion, as you said, and choosing quality investments and encouraging clients not to speculate, then investors should be just fine. And hopefully most people are already doing that. But if they're not, that's why we're here. Well, and I'm going to punt a little bit on this as we're kind of getting close to wrapping up. Um, I think as March draws, you know, to a close, I'd like to, you know, kind of ask our listeners, whether male or female, to take a minute to ask themselves the following questions and make sure that they find a financial professional, as we've kind of drummed on, that understands uh, their respective needs and, and, you know, more importantly, what kind of drives them. And so, you know, just 
kind of high level macro, what are your biggest concerns? Are there unexpected financial consequences that worry you? What does enough money look like to you and your family? And what are your values and priorities? Kids' education, money to care for aging parents. We talked about, you know, the caregiver factor. Is it travel? Um you know, those, I think, if you're sitting alone and, and allocating some time and some thoughts, you know, kind of put together to your point about a plan or a process, let that kind of drive your you know, needs and wants and sit down with someone then and say, this is kind of what we're looking at um, to try to make a plan around a solid plan, whether it's caregiving, traveling, both, you know, retiring early, whatever that is. Absolutely. And, and I can't stress enough, Beth, the questions that you just brought up should be the basic questions that everyone asks themselves and that every financial planner asks a potential new client, right? What are your biggest concerns? Because it doesn't really matter what the planner wants or what the planner thinks is important. It's the things that keep you up at night, right? And a good financial planner should be able to help you craft a plan. And it may not have anything to do with investing, right? It might be debt reduction. It might be ensuring that a family member will be cared for, at least has the resources to be cared for. Those are the kinds of things a good planner will do. They will make sure that you get your concerns addressed. And if anyone listening today, hopefully everyone, but if anyone listening today can answer those questions, and even more importantly, if they can't answer those questions, uh, they should come sit down with a member of our team because these are the things we work through with everyone every time and we help them find the answer. We don't give them the answer, but we help them find the answer. And most importantly, by answering those questions, we can craft a personalized plan to help them work towards their goals and help them live the life they've dreamed of. So the good news is, if you don't know the answer to those questions, or if there are things that keep you up at night, you're not alone, right? And we can help you. So it's not too late to start. Starting earlier is always better, but now's the time. As always, we welcome your feedback. And if you have any questions or want to get a hold of us, feel free to reach out at hello at golfsidewealth.com. We'd love to hear from you. So please take a minute and reach out. Again, that's at hello at golfsidewealth. Have a great Friday afternoon, and we look forward to seeing you next month. This material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. Indexes are unmanaged statistical composites and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment and do not reflect fees, expenses, or sales charges. The Standard & Poor's 500 Index is a capitalization-weight index of 500 stocks designed to measure performance of the broad domestic economy through changes in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks representing all major industries. Bonds are subject to market and interest rate risk if sold prior to maturity. Bond values will decline as interest rates rise and bonds are subject to availability and change in price. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Asset allocation does not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Due to the volatility of the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. 
Any opinions or forecasts contained herein reflect the subjective judgments and assumptions of the author only and do not necessarily reflect the views of LPL Financial. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Please note that individual situations can vary and therefore this information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice.